I have tears on my glasses. <laughs> um, I'd like to I'd like to start today um, with a story from my personal life from about five years ago. My daughter and I, we were in an argument. And I don't remember the specifics of the argument. I don't remember exactly what we were arguing about, but I remember feeling very upset. I was overwhelmed with, with frustration, even anger. And it was just so frustrating. And, and in the course of that argument, my daughter said something. She said something to the effect of, you always put money first ahead of me. And I, I, you know, I had just had to stop because it, it was such a painful thing for me to hear her say. And I had all these reasons why that wasn't true. And I had proof as to why that wasn't true. And instead of launching into why she was wrong, I just took a breath and I, I paused and I said to her, I really want to defend myself right now, but I'm, I'm just going to listen to you instead. So what I hear you saying is that I put money before you. And, and she was like, yes. And, and she just, she went on and she started sharing more about what was wrong with her. She started sharing deeper about what was wrong with her. I mean, <laughs> not what was wrong with her, what was on her heart and mind. And she started sharing deeper and deeper. And it was through that deepening that that i began to see what she was feeling and experiencing and and through being listened to she stopped attacking me she stopped yelling at me she stopped you know she she calmed i calmed and we got to a place where we could hear one another and this experience was a complete breakthrough in our relationship. In fact, it was the turning point in our relationship. And I would say that our relationship today is completely different than what it was then because we keep having this same pattern where instead of defending myself, I listen to her. And when she feels listened to, she opens up and she shares her deeper self. And it's through this mutual understanding of our deeper selves that we actually get to resolving conflict. You see, we had been having the same version of that argument, it seems like our entire life together. And, and probably because <laughs> I hadn't been listening to her <laughs> that entire time. I was trying to convince her 
you know, what she needed to do, how she needed to do it, what was best for her and why I needed her to be or say or act in certain ways that were acceptable and helpful and productive. And, and I, of course, had her best interests at heart. And I loved her so much and had made so many sacrifices for her. But in her experience, she just felt this person trying to make her stop feeling how she felt and start making her do what I wanted her to do. And so we stayed in that conflict, that same conflict for years and years and years until this point, this turning point. And we're talking about this today because our, our talk is about mindful speech. And it was this experience where I learned about mindful speech and the impact listening has on mindful speech. This is when I learned the power of listening. You see, we were having one argument, but there were two experiences. And how often in our lives do we insist on there being only one experience and it's the right experience? And if you don't see it this way, then you're wrong and I'm right. And we're going to argue until I convince you that I'm right. Well, we stayed in conflict without resolution as long as I insisted on there being one experience. And what I've learned since then is that there isn't one right experience. We have this false belief that, that there's only one thing that can be happening. Well, there might only be one conversation, but there are as many experiences as there are people. And, and when did we decide that there can only be one right experience? And who gets to decide which experience is the right one? Well, we're seeing this play out on a national level in the United States right now, and it's having a global impact as people around the world are standing up for racial justice. Now, I want to take you back again to another experience I had this time. It was on the very day that we found out Trump had won the presidential election in the United States, November 2016. And I was taking a course called Reframing Racism with the Center for Equity and Inclusion in Portland, Oregon. I was literally <laughs> in a course on racism when I found out about Trump being elected. And in this course, there was a diverse group of people mostly educators actually. And we were all grappling with the impact of race in our work, in our relationships, and in our lives. 
And this week, as I began exploring mindful speech, I was reminded of the agreements that the Center for Equity and Inclusion used in their workshop because they provided such a powerful framework for many difficult conversations we had during our time together. And what I realized is that they are the elements of mindful speech. And so I'm gonna read them out to you now, and then I'm gonna talk about each one of them. So I'll, I'll be sure to repeat them. But the first one, these agreements for this workshop that are also the elements of mindful speech, the first one is stay engaged. Number one, stay engaged. Number two, speak your truth responsibly. For those of you who are here on Zoom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paste these in the Zoom uh, chat. Speak your truth responsibly is number two. Number three, listen to understand. And number four, be willing to do things different, experience discomfort. Number five, expect and accept non-closure. And number six, confidentiality. So, so number one, stay engaged. Well, here we are as a spiritual community and we're seeing this racial justice kind of rise up in the world. And so one of my main questions is, how do we as spiritual folks and as spiritual community, how do we rise up to have this conversation and to be actively involved in creating a just world? That is my like overarching question. And so one of the answers is mindful speech. And so this first element of mindful speech, stay engaged, what does it mean to be engaged? What does it mean to be engaged in this conversation around racial justice? Well, I'd like for you for just a moment to imagine that you were upset with someone and you wanted to have a conversation with them. How would you know when they're engaged with you? Let's say you, you ask them, hey, can we have a talk? Uh, I'd like to talk with you about something. Can we sit down and talk? How would you know if they were engaged with you? Well, when I sat down to think about it, about, okay, well, how would I know if someone's engaged with me? I thought, well, it all starts with willingness. The willingness to have the conversation and stay in it the willingness to have the conversation and stay in it, and also the willingness to put your defenses down long enough to understand someone else's experience. It's the willingness to let go of the need to get it right or to know all the answers. It's also the willingness to stop problem solving and be present with what's happening. We tend to jump right to, okay, well, here's a problem and I need to solve it. 
But in the same way that I, that I learned with Karina, that's my daughter, um, jumping to trying to change a behavior or solve a problem was impossible until I actually just listened and acknowledged her experience. Now, just because I acknowledged her experience, it doesn't invalidate all of the efforts that I give as, as a parent. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I want to just recognize here that being engaged means having this willingness to even have a conversation, to show up for, for it. And I want to bring in our book of the month, Skill in Action by Michelle Cassandra Johnson. And in this chapter, the chapter that chapter two, when she talks about what skill in action is not, she talks about spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing is something that we do to disengage from the conversation. So here's what she says it is. In social justice, spiritual bypassing takes on the idea that we are one and uses it to avoid deepening any conversations around the impact of our actions and the responsibility that we have to use our available resources to create a just world. Hmm. You see, we do believe that we are one. And what we want to do in this instance is make sure that we're not using that belief to skip the entire conversation and to not understand what somebody else's experience is. And this leads us right into uh, number two, which is speak your truth responsibly. What does it mean to speak your truth responsibly? This is the second aspect of mindful speech. And Michelle Cassandra Johnson says, let me just find it here. The only way not to cause harm is to understand one's power and privilege and to understand that suffering is perpetuated by a lack of recognizing the imbalance of power in our culture. Wow. Okay. So in order to speak responsibly, we need to have an understanding of our own power and privilege. Now, I want to just offer you a definition of privilege here because we, there are many, many definitions out there. But Michelle Cassandra Johnson also, she defines what it is in her book and she says, privilege is the societal benefits bestowed upon people socially, politically, and economically. Privilege can be based on race, class, age, ability level, mental health status, gender identity, and sex. So I want to recognize here that privilege does not mean that you don't struggle. It does not mean that it, at all. It does not mean that you don't have hard times or that you get misunderstood or that there are times when people invalidate you. That's the, all of that can still happen to you even when you have privilege. 
Privilege does, however, create blind spots to other people's struggles. We simply don't know they're there. For example, you need to go into a building and you walk up to the building and there are a set of steps in front. You just walk up the steps and you go in the building if you're able-bodied. Now, if you're able-bodied, you might not notice if there's a ramp or an elevator, you just walk up the steps. So you might not see that somebody else might approach those steps and those steps are a barrier for them. Another example is if you are straight, heterosexual, you can hold hands with your honey in public without any fear. And another example is if you're white, you can browse in the retail shop without salespeople following you around afraid that you're going to shoplift or steal something. Understanding your privilege takes effort because the benefits of privileges are hidden unless you mindfully seek them out. The benefits of privilege are just your way of life. You simply walk up the steps of the building holding your honey's hand. You simply shop, enjoying your time, chit-chatting, buy what you're gonna buy and leave, and you don't realize that other people are having different experiences. So speaking your truth responsibly requires you to take into account other people's experience and not just your own. And so here we can get even more refined in understanding our impact. Michelle Cassandra Johnson tells us that intentions are great and fine and most people have, have positive conscious and even positive unconscious intentions most of the time. But it's important to remember that we do not have control over how our good intentions are experienced by others. In other words, intent does not translate into impact and meaning well does not translate to not taking personal responsibility. So while you might have a certain intention, you might not understand your impact unless you understand the other person's experience. So we saw this very clearly in my conversation with my daughter. You see, I was having a very, very different impact on her than I had intended. You know, I even had a difficult time even just imagining that my actions were impacting her in the way that she said they were. It literally seemed ridiculous to me. I thought, what are you talking about? Of course I don't put money ahead of you. Do you know how much I have sacrificed for you? Do you know how much money I have given up because of you? Right, or like how many choices I made that put you first? And that's, those were some of the things that were going on in my mind. And yet, in her experience, she was watching me 
and say, and my actions were showing her that I was putting money ahead of her well-being, or I was putting money ahead of how she felt. That was not easy for me to allow her experience to be true. Why? Because it changed my image of myself as a mom. Right? And this leads us right into number three, the third element of, of mindful speech is listening to understand. You see, this, this argument was such a big turning point for us because I used to listen to win the argument. I used to listen so that I could make her see why I was right and why she was wrong. I would listen to just solve this problem so that she would begin acting the way I wanted her to act. And I would listen only so that I could know how better to convince her to be who I wanted her to be. And I, I didn't realize it, but there was also this underlying motivation that I needed to prove I was a good mom. I was a young mom. I gave birth when I was 18. And I spent probably the first, you know, 20 years of her life trying to just prove that I was a good mom. And in that, she didn't felt, she didn't have that experience of being seen, heard, or cared for. In fact, she would just dig her heel, heels in every time. It wasn't until I could risk my image of myself to listen to understand her point of view that she began to loosen her grip to listen to mine as well you see listening to understand challenges the status quo it topples traditional hierarchical structures and we, we're talking about hierarchical structures when we're talking about racial justice. Because there's a false belief that one race is better than another race. There's an entire spectrum of that, right? And so actually our work in in mindful speech and in showing up for racial justice, we are actually dismantling privilege and power by listening to other people's experience and allowing them to be true right alongside ours. So this stepping into standing up for racial justice requires your compassion, your empathy, and your vulnerability. which is right on par with number four, the fourth element of mindful speech is the willingness to do things differently and to be uncomfortable. And so I'm gonna introduce another idea here that might be uncomfortable for you. And we're gonna practice it right now. We're gonna practice being uncomfortable together. Michelle Cassandra Johnson says, spiritual bypassing 
perpetuates the idea that the belief we are one is enough to create a reality where we are treated equally and as one. It is not. Spiritual bypassing permits the status quo to stay in place and teaches people that if you believe in something and have good intent, that is enough. It is not. I mean, this is hard for me. <laughs> this is hard for me to read and to talk about um, because this is saying that my belief in oneness is not enough and that my, my, uh, you know, my good intentions is not enough, that I must do more than that. I must go beyond that. And so this is the question then for all of us then is, okay, well, what, what is mine to do? What is mine to do? That is a big, huge, gray area that we are going to practice just being in it. When I look back at that argument with my daughter, I had no idea what to do. And thank God, because it was my not knowing that allowed me to actually just stop and listen to her because I didn't know. And so I listened. And just the act of listening changed the dynamics and changed the way we communicated and connected. So we're going to be in the gray area. I don't have any quick fix answers for you. I'm not gonna tell you, do this one thing. But I am asking you to consider these questions. What can you do differently? The next time you're in a conversation and somebody says something that doesn't quite fit right for you and normally you wouldn't say anything because it would be too weird, what could you do differently? What might you do differently that causes some discomfort? Even if it's just asking a question, or even if it's just saying, well, I'm not quite sure I agree with you on that because X, Y, or Z. Or um, if it's a black indigenous person of color saying something that you want to you say, no, that's not true. Maybe it's, okay, maybe instead of defending myself, I'll just listen to what your experience is right now. It's messy. It's messy. It's not neat and clean. And let me tell you something, spiritual living is messy. Spiritual living is not neat and clean. In fact, spiritual living is probably the thing that has pushed me out of my comfort zone more than anything else. Why? Because spiritual living calls me to face my own limiting beliefs inside of me and exchange them out for a bigger truth for more love, for more possibility. So this leads us right into number five, expect and accept non-closure. What does that mean? <laughs> that means we're not gonna solve racial justice in one conversation. 
we're going to solve it in many, many, many conversations that require our heart, our soul, and our willingness to jump in and be vulnerable. And Ernest Holmes said, spirit works for us by working through us. Spirit works for us by working through us. So here's the call. This means that racial justice comes about by working through us. Peace, you want to think about it a different way. If there were racial justice, there would be a sense of peace and belonging and equality, right? All of that, that must come through you. It's not going to come through 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 your next door neighbor. Well, hopefully it comes through your next door neighbor too, but we can't walk around saying this is going to be solved by somebody else. This is going to be solved by individuals and our collective healing experience. So accepting non-closure means that you're accepting this ongoing experience of racial justice at deeper and deeper levels. And you know, this falls right in line with our spiritual belief that spirit is unfolding through us. Life is consistently unfolding through us. Yes, we get comfortable in our patterns and our habits, but life is unfolding through us. This means that there is a, a deeper level of peace through our own experience of peace. For example, Karina and I didn't solve all of our problems in that one conversation. However, it was a turning point in our relationship. There was a fundamental shift that happened that day. And now five years later, we're still growing, evolving, and unfolding. There are still moments when I have to take a deep breath and be present with her experience and her truth, no matter what it means to me. And as long as we are alive and in relationship, that will be so. So this last piece of mindful speech and the last agreement of this workshop from the Center of Equity and Inclusion is confidentiality. Now, I just want to end by saying that you know, one of the definitions of confidentiality is having another's trust or confidence. You can imagine that the trust Karina and I had when we had that conversation was actually quite low. We had a very low amount of trust in one another. But over repeated interactions where I would put my defenses down and just listen to her and acknowledge her experience, she began to trust that I would do that for her. And in her trust, she began to, to divulge deeper and deeper aspects of herself to me. And I began to trust that she would open up, that she would share her, her deeper, difficult parts, and that we could, we could do those things together, even though they were hard. Now we have an amazing amount of trust where we actually assume the best of one another. We might have assumed the worst of one another back then, but five years down the road, we actually give each other the benefit of the doubt 
and we expect we we assume the best of one another this is what mindful speech can do to us in our race relations and in healing racial justice and in creating a world of just you know and just tying it in to to father's day because we're celebrating dads today we can let in those ideal qualities of dad whether we received them from our bio dad or not we can let them in and we can let them guide us through this unfolding imagine that all of this conflict is an unfolding of an entire new experience of peace and justice not for some but for all and so it is hey thanks for tuning in we're supported 100 percent by your generous contributions if you found value in this episode please give online at csl-whiterock.com and while you're there be sure to sign up for our newsletter so that you'll be notified of future episodes as well as ways to connect, learn, and grow. Thank you and abundant blessings on your path.